Hi, this is Jeannie Patel-Thompson. I specialize in natural healing for digestive diseases and disorders. My website is www.listentoyourgut.com, and that's with a numeric two. So today we're going to talk about the two different types of constipation. Now, I know if if you've been researching it all through the literature and the medical literature, constipation is just called constipation. However, due to my own experience with the condition and um, very detailed, um, intimate feedback from a number of family members, friends, and also my private consultation clients, I have come to realize that um, to just call the condition constipation is misleading and actually not helpful because there are two very different types and they require different types of treatments and remedies. So let's get into what I've discovered. So the first one is the one that most people have and I call it peristaltic constipation. And I think this is what would be the um, typical clinical constipation that someone would present with, which means you go, you try to have, well, you don't try to have a bowel movement. You just never feel like having a bowel movement. There's no urge. There's no urgency. Um, the stool just sits there accumulating in your colon, and, you know, you're feeling uncomfortable, but if you've had it for years, you know, you're not even feeling a lot of discomfort often by that point. Um, but you just know that, oh, this is really not a good thing to, you know, not have a bowel movement for three, four, five, six, seven days in a row. Um, also, those of you who've had uh, peristaltic constipation for any length of time have probably noticed that it gives, it leads to um, weight gain tendency and you can't eat very much food, otherwise you'll gain weight. So that's the other big downside of it. So with peristaltic constipation, what's happened, peristalsis is the natural rhythmic contractions of your intestines that move your stool along and out your rectum. Now, they are they are wave-like contractions, okay? And what happens... I'm, I'm not quite sure the, the different reasons, and I'm sure for different people it's different as to why the peristalsis uh, ceases to function properly or, you know, can stop altogether when it reaches the colon. Um, I know a lot of people, um, part of my research I uncovered, there's a huge incidence of constipation in young children and, you know, in the early school years. And I think this is where people stop listening to their bodies like the, your your constipation origin can go back this far that you know you're a child and you have needs that aren't being met you have extreme anxiety that's not being addressed there's no outlet for it you're being forced to do things before you're ready um you know you're 6 years old you're not ready to be in school for 6 hours a day but you have to be it's throwing off all your body rhythms you're not having enough time in the morning to go poo cuz you get up you got to try and eat something and get out the door really it's very disruptive for the body um so what ends up happening is the ch- and then of course you have all the toilet training traumas that children can be subjected to so what can often happen as a result of that is the child for any number of reasons, and there's a huge list, um, stops going to the toilet, will hold it, you know, for a long period of time. Now, the body is 
the body's like training a puppy. You know, it's it's really your colon. You got to think of your colon like a Pavlov's dog. If any of you have ever taken sociology or psychology, you'll know the story of Pavlov's dog and how how he trained them that when they would hear the bill the bell that meant their food was coming in. Just even at the sound of the bell, no no sight of food and no smell of food, their salivary glands would release saliva. So your colon is very much like Pavlov's dogs. They, it is trained very quickly to your cues and, and how to respond. So if you teach your colon that every time it tells you, I want to poo, you say, no, not now, guess what happens? Your colon stops sending you the messages. It starts going, man... I never get to poo, so I'll just give up. And so with a lot of people, that's what's happened reaching as far back as early childhood. So the first thing that someone with peristaltic constipation is has to do is first become aware of that issue. Um, and then the second thing that they have to do is they have to start reconnecting, listening to their body, and regaining the trust of their body. Now, these may sound like really esoteric kind of woo-woo concepts, but... You know, until you, you really got to get this if you ever want to restart the normal functioning of your bowel again. So now in the interim, now, of course, anybody who's had constipation for any length of time knows the traditional um, do's and don'ts of constipation. So I'm not going to go over them here in this podcast. What I am going to do is go a little bit beyond that. So first of all, peristaltic constipation, until you can get that trust and dialogue reestablished and operating properly between you and your colon, you're going to need some help. Now, the best thing that I've found for stimulating peristalsis is magnesium because, well, surprisingly enough, magnesium is not well absorbed in its common forms by our intestines and our stomach, so it passes largely undigested into the colon where it's a bit of an irritant, and the colon wants to kick it out, wants to get rid of it, and that will trigger the peristalsis. Now, the bonus of that is that magnesium is also a muscle relaxant, so um, it helps you to have a bowel movement in that way as well. So the best way to take that magnesium, you want to start with 250 milligrams and take it after you have to have a good-sized meal. So either have a good breakfast or a good lunch, and then take it immediately after you've finished eating. That way you won't get any stomach discomfort from the supplement and you won't get any, you know, crampiness or nausea or anything like that. It'll, in fact, you won't even notice that you've taken it. All you'll notice is that um, depending on your system, anywhere, you know, up to an hour to six hours later, you're going to want to have a bowel movement. So, again, this is something you have to test with your own body according to how your schedule works and when you're going to try and have a poo. Because, if you know, some people, it's best to poo in the evening when you're done with work, you're at home, you know that no matter what happens, you're not going to be interrupted, you know, but you like to get the bowels clear so that you can have a good night's sleep. For other people, they like to poo in the morning before they go into work. Personally, I think for someone with chronic constipation, that right there is too much pressure to put on your body. Maybe once you've got your working back in a team with your colon, you could try and schedule a morning bowel movement. But personally, I think you should schedule for whatever part of your day you are on your own. You're not going to be interrupted by children or colleagues or demands. And if you, you're just no pressure, because that's the thing, you know, you can put so much pressure on your colon to perform and you've got to get back into the position of trust 
and nurturing and um, support with your colon. So that's a brief, very briefly going into peristaltic constipation um, because, of course, we don't have time to do a complete you know, breakdown of the subject and, and everything that you can do on it in this in this broadcast. Number two, the second type of constipation, and this is one that's, you know, very rarely talked about, and I'm choosing to call it anal stenosis constipation. Now, anal stenosis means a narrowing of the rectum or anus. So what happens with this type of constipation is you want to have a bowel movement, there's no trouble whatsoever with your desire to poo or your feelings of urgency, wanting to evacuate the bowel. But you go and you sit on the toilet and you just end up pushing and pushing and straining and, you know, either nothing comes out or you feel like you've passed this massive stool and you're sweating and you look down and it's, you know, this tiny little poo the width of a pencil. And what's happening there is that your your internal anal sphincter muscle is either not opening wide enough to allow the stool to get out properly or you have an obstructive narrowing of your rectum. Now, that could be from a stricture, which is a buildup of scar tissue. So those are the two um, complicated. Uh, the oh wait, wait, lest I lest I forget. The third complication that can narrow that rectal canal is internal hemorrhoids, and of course those often get into a feedback loop. You get the internal hemorrhoids because you're pushing and straining so hard, but yet because you're pushing and straining all the time, you're exacerbating and making your internal hemorrhoids larger and larger until it's actually the enlarged, engorged veins that are now blocking the passage of your stool. So there are um, a number of different treatments for that, but one that you can get started with right away, similar to the peristaltic constipation, you take magnesium and potassium. So you take 250 milligrams of magnesium and 100 milligrams of potassium. You take them together and you take them following a large breakfast or a large you know, not large, but good-sized breakfast or good-sized lunch. And uh, both magnesium and potassium are muscle relaxants. And that's the major problem with anal stenosis. If you can get the internal anal sphincter muscle to relax and open wider, um, that can have dramatic effects on the your ability to pass stool and the width of the stool that your ability that you're able to pass. Now, of course, addressing the strictures and the internal hemorrhoids are separate topics and a bit more complex, but that's all we have time to get to today. Um, but you, if you just do that one thing, you'll notice a big improvement. Um, and for both the anal stenosis constipation, the peristaltic constipation, when you take your magnesium or your magnesium potassium, start at 250 milligrams for the magnesium. And if that's not enough to loosen you up, increase it to 500. And you can, depending on how severe your condition is, you can get up to 1,000 milligrams a day. That's your maximum dosage. Uh, I, I haven't to date heard of anyone who's needed that much. So normally 250 to 750 milligrams of magnesium. And again, the form of that that you want is magnesium citrate. If you're taking the potassium as well, you need potassium citrate 
and 100 milligrams of the potassium. And, of course, with the peristaltic constipation, you can take the potassium as well. There's certainly no harm in in that, um, but you don't necessarily need it. So uh, just, you know, follow your own gut with that. So hope that's helped you out. And, of course, there's lots more treatment instructions and protocols in my quick start guide, um, How to Heal Your Chronic Constipation Naturally. But those two protocols right there should give you a, uh, a good result and a lot of relief. So all the best to you and happy bowel movement.